No more staying in your own head about thought-provoking topics. Read along with a stress-free book club that fits into a busy lifestyle. From out of the pages to real life, explore the fine line between fiction and nonfiction as we pull from bestsellers that will change your life. Tune in to our bi-weekly book club of mind-bending and empowering stories hosted by Nova Lorraine, founder of Rain Magazine, and her two co-hosts, Toby Santagato and Barbara Donato. Hi, this is Nova Lorraine, and this is Tuesday's Book Club. I'm here with my co-hosts, Toby Santagato and Barbara Donato. Hey, guys. Hey. Hi. So as you know, Tuesday's Book Club is a place to explore intriguing, controversial, and mind-pulling stories from authors around the globe. Our books are smart fiction and thought-provocative nonfiction for individuals that are on a journey of growth. Our next two books, Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman and The Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield, will be our episodes following today's show, which we'll be discussing the Having Our Say, The Delaney Sisters' First 100 Years. So don't forget to get those books. It's That's Neverwhere, very cool science fiction, and The Celestine Prophecy. All right, guys. So don't forget to get those books so you can read along with us. And without further ado, let's jump into this week's book. So ladies, I'm going to go into, of course, as we normally do, the summary of the book, but I just want to get one liner or one word. How would you describe this book? How would you sum it up? Persistence. That's the book. Mm. Ooh, I, I love, love that. that. Yeah, I mm-hmm. do. Amazing. Overcoming. How would you, Barbara? What would you say? Overcoming. Overcoming. I saw this. Oh, there's so many good ones, but <laughs> unconditional love. I think that was something that really touched me about. Mm, mm-hmm. And we can go into all of those things as we explore the book. But let's let's see what let's see what the publisher says about the book. And let's also discuss some really cool, notable facts. So having our say that the Delaney sisters first 100 years was published by Kadanashna America <laughs> in New York in September 1993 and was on the New York Times bestseller list for 105 weeks. Woo. The book documented the oral history of the Delaney sisters and was compiled by the same New York Times reporter that created the original article on these women, and her name is Amy Hill Hearth. In all editions combined, the book has sold more than 5 million copies. And it also inspired a Broadway play, which Toby and her family has seen, and a CBS television film that was released in 1999. The book has been translated into six languages, guys, six languages. In 1995, the book was recognized as one of the best books by American Library Association. It has won awards, including the American Bestsellers Book of the Year, which is the Abbey Honor Award. So just to get a little more into the book, and this is from our publisher. We like reading the summary from our publisher. So it's, it is as biased as possible because it's from the publisher, but we like to read the summary from the publisher. So you see, get as much detail about the book without giving it away. So 
This book is a warm, feisty, and intelligent story that the Delaney sisters speak, where the Delaney sisters speak their mind in the book. And they share a vital historical record and a moving portrait of two remarkable women who continue to love, laugh, and embrace their life after over 100 years of living side by side. Their sharp memories show us the post-Reconstruction South and Booker T. Washington's Harlan's Golden Age and Langston Hughes, W.E. Dubois, and Paul Robinson. Bessie, one of the sisters, breaks barriers to become a dentist. Sadie quietly integrates the New York City system as a high school teacher. Their extraordinary story makes an important contribution to our nation's heritage and an indelible impression on our lives. Amy Hill Hearth is the writer who wrote the original New York Times article on these women that drew so much attention that she was asked to approach the sisters to write a book. So you guys want to dive in? I'm obsessed with this book. I read it twice. This is my second reading. And I read it a long time ago, actually. I just, I don't even know. And I think it's interesting that that whole summary doesn't really mention anything about the color of their skin, which is kind of cool. They weren't selling it that way. But this story is completely about not just the color of their skin, but the fact that each family member was a slightly different color of their skin. So there was a variation that we can talk about. And I love that they didn't try to to bring that into just the summary, but it's it's just, there's so many nuances. Yeah, this is one of my favorite books. I love this book. I was blown away. And when you had suggested the book, Toby, and how inspired you were by the book and how your daughters were so inspired by it, that's what I was like, oh, I'm excited to see what inspired them. But I had no idea what to expect. So I'll go into more why I was so blown away by it. But love to hear, Barbara, what are your thoughts so far? I It was, it was incredible. It was definitely a good read for me. I will honestly tell you, I heard about the book before and the television sh- movie but I never read the book. So I took, I processed a lot. Like I would read a few pages, uh, read a chapter or two, and then I would sit there and think about their life and and what they went through in their life. And then I would think about our current time, like Mm. how I was raised and how I'm raising my own children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was just, I mean, this is such a great book. I mean, you're right. There's just so many things to tap into it, it, there was lessons in the book, oral history. I mean, there's just, there's just, there's so much, so much wealth of knowledge. I mean, just so much about family, about education. I mean, even about manners. I mean, <laughs> just, yeah, there's yeah. so many different things in this book that, that, that we could touch upon and we can learn from. I agree. I, as, as a woman of color, I feel one of the things that struck me was a narrative about a, a middle-class family or upper middle-class family in a time period where that was uncommon. And this was a hundred, uh, over a hundred years between 1889 and 1991. And their father, who's referenced as Mr. Delaney, and so you, you don't see his first name mentioned. I don't even know if it was mentioned once in the book, and there's a reason why, but their father was born a slave a slave, and then went on to not only learn how to read and write because the owners, his owners at the time broke the Georgia law to allow him and his siblings to read and write as a slave. He then went on to have 10 children, including Sadie and Bessie, who were two and three, number two and three of the 10. 
And then all of them were college educated. Now this is between the late 1800s and into the 19, uh, late 1900s. We're all college educated and became professionals and contributing members of society. And that narrative isn't told a lot. And to happen in a time period where it went against all odds was also, for me, extremely inspiring. So that's just one aspect about the book that I was like, wow, these stories, who knows how many stories are like this, but for this story to have this story where I could share it with my children and say, you know what, this happened at a time period where they had every obstacle for it not to happen. You have so many opportunities in front of you. There's no reason, no excuse for whatever you want to happen for you, whatever dreams you have, it can come true. So I love that. It's, it's yeah. really a story about whatever you want, no matter what, whatever you want, it's yours. And these women, whatever they chose, the profession that they wanted, they made it happen. Their lifestyle that they wanted, they made it happen and successfully. Yeah. For me, having two daughters that are so similar to Sadie and Bessie, like almost it's bizarre having a professional dance company together that they're co-artistic directors. And I would stop and read like a section to them. And I really want them to read the book and they're going to, but it just struck me often. They'll say like, we'll say like, no, there's no sister dynamic of little sister, big sister. And uh, recently we watched old videos of them dancing and competing together in duets. And what we noticed was my younger daughter, Ariel would, glance over at her big sister, even when they dance for that reassurance, for that connection. And now they perform together like one person. They almost, I'm not going to say they don't rehearse, but the amount of rehearsing it takes versus the amount of success they have in being exactly together and and connected. It's, there is a big sister, little sister dynamic, and we're going to embrace it because it's a healthier way we have a little sister that's going to look up to the big sister for guidance and it's, it's never going to change. And this book totally shows that. I mean, they are so connected as one person, but there's the dynamic and it's a little sister, big sister dynamic. And I love that. I love that. It helps forget the color of skin. It helps people in relationships understand that there's, there's a benefit, not a cost. If you're different, if you work it out together, you know, and you're better Mm. together. So I really Mm. love that. I love it. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. It's a, it's like a universal theme of family, universal theme of relationships. I think that's why this book appealed to so many people. It was like you stated to, it doesn't matter what race you are, where, where you're from, nationality, country, you have a sister. <laughs> we have family members, we have brothers, we have sisters. We all have a family dynamic. And I just love how this book illustrates that. Just like you said, Toby, these sisters in this book, they knew that they were going to be best friends from the start. And they always had that little bubble that they were encircled in that they created for themselves. They were always supportive. Of, I mean, they, they definitely loved their other brothers and sisters, but they, def, they knew that what they had between each other was special. And they illustrated it so perfectly in the book. I love that. I also yeah, love, I love it. how I love it too. the dad and the mom, the little nuances of what they would do when they were raising their children, those little things that they both recognized as adults that helped them become who they were, develop good character. Their father always said to keep their chin up and always look people in the eye. I mean, there's little things like you mentioned, Nova, they never wanted to be, the, the parents never wanted to be called by their first name because they felt like 
during slavery, that's you were either called boy or they called you by your first name. It was a sign of disrespect for uh, colored people or for African-Americans at the time. And they were like, no, you're, I'm going to be addressed as Mr. and Mrs. Delaney to the point where they did it even within their homes. They didn't want to, they didn't want to take that away. And it's just those little things. I think those, their children saw how self-assured their parents were and how their parents were determined to achieve whatever they wanted. But the, even though the mother was a little more outspoken, the father with his quiet determination. And I think that affected all of their kids. And that's why all of their kids were so successful. Yeah, I thought it was going back to the the mother and father. And I agree with everything you guys were saying in terms of the universal theme and family and sisterhood. And I have two daughters that are the two middle children. And whenever they would argue, I would say you have each other, like you are sisters. That is such a special relationship and you have to really cherish that. And, and so I love the sisterhood, such a unique, phenomenal relationship that they have. But when you mentioned the mother and dad, some of the things that stood out to me that I just loved was the fact that the mom was, they met at school and they're originally from Raleigh, North Carolina. And that's where, even though the women lived as adults in New York, they still refer to Raleigh as home. And the, the mom, I believe, was Val Victorian. And the dad finished second only because the mom finished first. The dad was a principal, I believe, at the school. And the mother, what did they call her, the matron of the school. She took care of the day-to-day, I guess, operations of the school that they taught. And it was an all-Negro school from what I remember. Yes, St. Augustine's yeah. in mm-hmm. North Carolina was the name of the school. Yeah. And then the girls after school would then go on to learn literature and art like Shakespeare. All the children knew how to play instruments. They, their wardrobe, the fashion, they took pride in and really dressing up. And, and being clean, which sounds like duh, but no, they were clean and they never were dirty. And that was a thing then. That was not that easy to do. They had to drag buckets mm-hmm. of water in. It's not like they turned down the faucet. So everything yeah, was, was very like the late 1800s. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. it, yeah, it was um, a big deal. It was the detail that their parents paid attention to. And it wasn't like they had one or two children. They had 10, 10 kids. And they didn't falter down to the 10th child. It was just, this was the expectation. They knew their self-worth and their value. And regardless of the system around them, they were going to live up to that self-worth within the means and resources that they had. I mean, the father was the first, I know Bessie liked to be referred to as colored as opposed to African-American, was the first colored man to be elected as it was at a bishop in the Episcopal and, Church. Yeah, in the United States, the first one ever. Just this insane. is huge. Oh, amazing. 1900s, I mean, really? Early 1900s? I mean, again, every accomplishment was so above normal, was so beyond that time. and. This family, I'll say the family, the sisters obviously shared their story and account with the world and, but their family, the parents, I mean, it's just like, what, what, what? It just keeps, it just keeps coming. Like, you know what I love too? I loved that they expected it. Like it wasn't like for them, like the way they express it in the book, it was like, yeah, we were this and we were that. It was like, you know, this is. This is something that we all should expect. This is, this is not, this shouldn't be like such a 
impressive. It's not impressive. It's you know, normal. It's not impressive. The, the, yeah, exactly. It's not something that you should be impressed by because this is in us. Like right. we, we, we given we're we all we needed was opportunity to let our wings flap. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and I love that. That's what the book is expressing is that we were given opportunity. We were given a chance. And with that chance, we were able to, to show what we, to show the potential that that's inside us that we've always had. So for us, yeah. it's like, huh, all of our kids graduate college degrees. That's expected. That's right. Well, I was thinking that like, we talk about how we learn from our parents and our parents before. And if we go back in time, they broke barriers even before. Bessie and Sadie's mom was um, mixed. She was very light skinned and I believe her father was white. And that was a barrier that he chose to love someone that was of color and not care. Um, Mm. And so the not caring about people's thoughts and the fact that their father was dark. So by the fact of marrying someone that was, she could have passed for white, their mother. So that was a barrier. That was a barrier. They didn't care. They said to the world, we don't care. And, mm-hmm. and that consistently went on and on. We don't care. This is what we mm-hmm. want to do. And what we want to do is what we're going to do. And they, that exactly. went all the way back to their grandparents. So it's, exactly. it, was, it was ingrained and it, it took them far. It took them far. And it wasn't because I think it went back so far. It wasn't like you said, Barbara, it wasn't like, oh my God, this is so cool. It was normal because two generations before they were doing what they thought they want, whatever they chose to do because mm-hmm. they wanted to do it. So it was like ingrained like generations prior. And I, I think yeah. that's why, that's why they were so strong. That's so true. I mean, their grandparents represented that, the parents represented and lived it. And so it was a part of who they are as people, as a family, as Delaney's. And yeah, it was just normal. It's just, this is what you do. Oh, this, you, you learn Shakespeare, you play an instrument, you dress well, you stay neat, you stay clean, you're polite, you love each other. I mean, it was just like basic tenets. And I think that some of those things get lost, I think, in our our current culture with so many other distractions around us. And it's it's nice to have a story like this to refer back to in whatever place you are, in your family or in society. It is just, it's it's almost like a guidebook, you know, it's mm-hmm. yes, it's a real life story. It's inspirational. But there's so many teaching moments when they had to go through. I mean, they, their family were reaching a lot of accomplishing a lot of milestones before the Jim Crow laws were passed. And they had, they were almost going backwards and they could have succumbed to that psychologically or with whatever dreams they had, but they said, nope, nope, we're pushing forward. Like that's not even, that's a non-issue. And and for those that actually haven't studied history, because I just read a statistic that there are many people that don't know about the Holocaust. I'm Jewish and literally don't know. And also really a lot of people might not know Jim Crow, but basically what struck me when I first learned about it and then relearned about it in my master's was Jim Crow. It was like worse than being slaves in many instances because you were given freedom, but you couldn't taste it. You were actually treated worse. And Mm -hmm. so it really, it just, I remember reading that and going like, oh my God. Oh my God. Like it's, it was disgusting. And so for those that are listening that are like, what was Jim Crow? Jim Crow laws came on. They were in response to the, the emancipation of slavery. And then 
what they did was they just created insane rules. You couldn't vote. Obviously, if you were free, you should be able to vote. And there was even way more. There was more violence through Jim Crow laws. And so Mm -hmm. these ladies and this family grew up during that time. And the parents really taught them how to stay away from those hiccups because they were prevalent. And they it wasn't by chance, it wasn't luck that they didn't get caught into some of those problems that, and suffer from Jim Crow laws. They were raised on how to avoid those, those pitfalls. And, and, and it was on purpose. That part was on purpose. And uh, mm-hmm. they do tell us a few stories where they, I can't remember the stories, but where they kind of almost got into trouble with some racial issues. But generally speaking, they were, they were very, I wouldn't say lucky, they were smart. Um, I remember yeah. Bessie told that story about how she was almost lynched when she was in the train and mm-hmm. yes. doing her hair and the and the the white man who was drunk and he's leering at her and so she kind of smarted off to him. Yeah, and Bessie, of course, typical Bessie. Yeah, <laughs> typical Bessie. <laughs> and he lost right. his mind and he was just losing it and and just and that was at the time where if you even gave a side eye to a white person, you would automatically be lynched or you could possibly be lynched. Yeah. I mean, just any slight, any type of disrespect, <laughs> walking and whistling could cause you to be hung and, and your family, too, if they were there. And mm. to the point where when she did that, the two other colored uh, teachers. Pe- teachers in the, they in the ran. left, <laughs> the, the, yeah. you know, um, even the the was like, good job. And then he ran off and she just very calmly continued to do her hair. <laughs> and I, I just feel like it's. It's just the way they were raised. You know, Bessie was like, nope, this man's crazy. I'm just going to pretend that he's just drunk and he doesn't know what he's talking about. And they'll just come in here and I'm just going to ignore him. Of course, after the fact, she realized she got very lucky. Yeah, uh, she did get very lucky. Sadie did give her a lashing on. That was not a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that I like their sense of strength. I I love it. I love that they were so and their parents. and And, you know, Nova, you're right. I mean, from the fathers with his uh, mother with Indian blood and, and the pride that she had and she carried around with the grandmother and the father, the grandfather was white, who was right. married to uh, Sadie and Bessie's uh, grandmother. And mm-hmm. I loved how they told the story that everyone knew that he had a colored girlfriend or or, or commonwealth. Uh, I mean, excuse me, common law, yeah. I guess we would call it yes. today. And no one disrespected her. No one made those children feel any type of way. And even when he said something that was just completely disrespectful, their grandmother was like, oh, no, we're not doing this. And she checked him. So mm-hmm. these, the, 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 the children, they had the strength. They had the self-confidence for mm-hmm. generations. It makes me even and they, they even would look around to other families and they would think to themselves, they're so lost They're You know, mm-hmm. they've been slaves their entire mm-hmm. lives and they're, they don't know what to do with their freedom. And, and and they for them to realize that they actually they lucked out or just whatever circumstances that life gave them put them in a better position to succeed than many people around them. Yeah. I think that also gave them like for them, I think it gave them the motivation to want to do even better because mm. they were carrying yeah. that legacy like this is God put me in this position and I'm going to take at every type of advantage because there were so many of us that don't have it. Well, they that's wanted it. to make their parents proud. And I feel that's like that's, yeah. 
that's missing in society right now. It's not, not always, but they really want to make their parents proud. Like that, like that was a driving force. Like, I don't want my parents to look down at me. I don't want my parents to think I did something wrong, even all the way till into their hundreds, even after their parents yeah. were long gone. And yeah. I think, yeah, it was, it's profound. And it, it really was such a strong bond in the entire family. What I liked about the book was obviously we know that they were successful. Bessie was a dentist. I think she was the second African-American dentist in New York ever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, really? uh, her sister, Sadie, was a school teacher. I mean, they both went to Columbia, which is an Ivy League school. It, it's absurd. You, you right. know, we're talking about if you go there now, it's absurd. So mm-hmm. to, to yeah. Go back, yeah, like what? And I think what I, one of my favorite stories in there is Sadie. Remember, Barbara just said like she got it done the way Bessie got it done through force and Sadie got it done through being clever sometimes, but they both yeah. got it done. And my right. one of my f- favorite stories is Sadie. She was the, I believe the, she was the first American permitted, African-American permitted to teach domestic science at high school mm-hmm. level mm-hmm. in New York City public school system. So that on its face, they're like, oh, okay, cool. Especially if we're talking about now, you don't realize that's a big deal. But what was crazy was she that, she, that wouldn't have happened unless she was sneaky. Because yeah. she, if you remember, she sent the application in and then she didn't show up for the interview and she knew That's if she right. showed up for the interview, they would know she that she, and she was mm-hmm. actually, I believe she was the darker of the two. It, it was, she wasn't going to get the position. And so they ended up hiring her without seeing her and then they couldn't back out of it. So that was pretty much a telltale of how she, she did everything. And very clever. Yeah. So clever. So what clever. Was the phrase that you could attract more flies with molasses than vinegar. Yeah. Yes. Some, I mean, it's so, true. <laughs> but, right. Yeah. Um, Insane. You know, I love the point that you brought up about the children wanting to please the parents. My parents immigrated here. I was born in Jamaica. They immigrated here. And so there's six of us, there's six siblings and they were in their early twenties in a new country. And we saw how hard they worked and we saw how much they sacrificed. And it was the expectation that we were going to college. It wasn't, oh, how much is college going to cost? Or maybe, or you can do something else. No, it was, you're going to get good grades in school from primary school all the way through high school. You are going to get to college. Oh, and by the way, you're going to get a scholarship to go to college. <laughs> it was it was just like, there's, so figure it out. And they didn't know the system. So it wasn't like they were, and there was no yeah, right. computers that you were online searching. Oh, how do you get a scholarship for college? It was, <laughs> you would go in the public library, you were reading books and we had to figure it out as the first generation of our family going to college. And this was the expectation from engineers to doctors and the family, but it was, there was no other, I don't even know. It was just like, and this is what you do. And when you are out in public, you dress well. And when you, when you're at the table, you have good manners and you treat each other with kindness. It was, here are the basic tenants. This is what you do. There's no deviation. And when reading the story, I was like, my gosh. And so it just kept bringing me back to my childhood. And one of my motivators early on in high school and college was I want to do well. So my parents, everything they sacrificed and how hard they worked was for a reason. And one of my childhood dreams was I want to grow up to buy mom and dad a house. Like, you know, like that was like, and it was really, that's what it, it was always about family. And it was, there was very much this respect, respecting yourself, respecting the family. And it was just 
so inspiring again to see a family do that within that climate that they were in in that time period. And, and the so, family sustained them because during the Great Depression, mm-hmm. like they all closed in together. They mm-hmm. they had each other. Um, they right. were a tight and they had friends. And it's interesting. My husband always says this. He, he always says, I don't have a lot of friends because my brothers were my friends. I didn't need them. I had my brothers. And that's interesting. I only have one brother. We're not super close. Not like my husband is with his brothers. And like he really said that. And I feel like that was similar. They had friends but they didn't need friends as much as they had their family and their family just was glue. And whenever they needed something, they turned to their family and their family, they took care of one another. And it it was just so inspiring in a day and age, especially where there's so much turmoil internally with families and Mm -hmm. strife and distractions. And I loved it. I, I was inspired by that. And it makes you understand how We talk about so many things right now, especially in the crisis of the country. And we really need to talk about family because Mm -hmm. without family, and it doesn't matter if family means two women, two men, a woman and a man. And really the Delaney sisters had their extended family of 10 children. They were one, two of 10 children, but they also were each other's individual like family. And without that dynamic, they wouldn't have been able to have made it through a lot of they're trying times. And I really feel like it's such a great basic tenant. We we need to go back to that. We really do. Yes. Actually, there was one part of the book that I I love so much. It was when they didn't mention the brother, the mom felt like the brother wasn't paying her uh, attention. He wasn't really calling. Oh, I remember this. 10 kids. And she had one son that she was not really happy about because he wasn't uh, calling her. And she she stated, I'm feeling neglected. I'm feeling neglected by you. And his response was to make sure that he visited his mother every day. And on the every days that he could, she either every got day. flowers or he called her. <laughs> that wow. was, I wish my kids would do that. <laughs> you know what? If that wasn't to me the definition of how uh, much they loved their mother and how important mm. she was in the family life. I mean, Bessie retired. She retired. So that yeah, she can stay and take care of her mother. Sadie was like, I can retire too, but you know, I'm going to still work because I want to take care of my mother. Like I just, their mother was everything. And I really believe it's because of the mom. It was what she, oh, what did she say? She always told the kids that you could tell me everything and I won't approach you with judgment. I mean, she, I really feel like it was how the mother raised them. She raised mm. them with, she put herself into them all her life. I'm not saying that other mothers don't do that. Don't get me wrong. Oh, but yeah. um, I, I think they, the, the, and then they saw her example that she went to take care of her mother. I think her when her sister passed away, she went over, she went to her parents for two weeks. And when mm. the mother passed away, she made sure that one of her sons went and stayed with the, with her dad for a while. I mean, yeah. just the mm-hmm. family was such, I mean, and it was like top of the line. Incredible respect. Incredible mm-hmm. respect. So the besides family, getting back to basics with family, there is a lot of families still out there, but you often see, not always, there's families, but there's no respect for the parents. It's just, it's gone. And we got to get back to respecting your elders. I mean, showing them respect means that you'll be respected when it's your turn. Um, mm, and yeah. pay, it, mm. pay it forward kind of thing. Absolutely. And then it, so yeah. that was another thread through the whole book was, 
and respecting. And so they respected their parents. And in turn, they respected everyone that they spoke to, except maybe the Rebbe boys. They were not happy about them. No, which is um, the white guys that were awful. But they had respect. I thought that was insanely important. And, and we do miss that in society, even in differences so in the political genre or any genre, whether you agree with one person or another, you should respect that they have the right to their opinion. Exactly. And we're, we're, the country is up in strife because everyone wants their opinion to be the only opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about yeah. it. Like when the mother passed away, Sadie being the oldest, she ha- she was now the matriarch of the family. And even though Bessie couldn't stand that idea, (laughs) Bessie Bessie would even say to her, well, you're the oldest, so I'm going to listen to you. I mean, she's awesome. I love, I I mean, she's 103 years old. Bessie is 101. (laughs) (laughs) And Sadie still has the last word. I mean, it's just... It's so true. That's what I said at the beginning. It's that sister dynamic that just struck me because my kids Mm -hmm. have that dynamic. It's so true. There's a big sister, little sister thing. And obviously they bounce back and forth with who's the leader on certain things. But at the end of the day, it's the big sister, little sister dynamic that is just so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I I think we have in our family that matriarch component as well as the respecting your elder, even within siblings. And my kids have a hard time. <laughs> the younger one's like, well, why? And because <laughs> they're older, they have more experience. Mm-hmm. Maybe only be a 12 months of experience or three years of experience more than you, but- Girl, you were busy. <laughs> that they're older and they're older for a reason. And so give them that deference. But that that, that is really interesting, even at a hundred plus years old, that you are still applying that principle that your parents taught you as children. And going back to the sacrifice for the parents, as much as Bessie loved her profession and lived to um, practice dentistry, she gave that up to take care of her mother. And Sadie decided to continue working for, I think it was another 13 years to have enough pension and money coming into the household where she can divide that up amongst her sister and her mother. I mean, the self-sacrifice within that family too was. And also how they, like they gave, they were also giving to the world. Like, I believe it was like, she practiced dentistry and like literally basically charged like the same amount of money 30 years later for a teeth cleaning, just because she knew they couldn't afford it. I'm like, what? (laughs) And I can't remember the amount, but it was something ludicrous and definitely $2 for this. (laughs) And it was just because they understood the issues. And sometimes they, if, if someone couldn't afford it, they would do it for free. And at one point they lend, lended money and they realized sometimes you shouldn't lend money, but they were just, they just, they weren't greedy. They lived a a decent life and they were happy with that. They were frugal. They were smart with their money, which was incredible, but you know, they were able to take vacations. So they, they were very, very smart, even to the fact that they, the person that retires is the one that can get the, that doesn't get a pension, right? You have your own private practice, as we all know, as all of us as an independent contractor and having my own company, the the only retirement I have is based on my income and what I put away. So clearly the right person retired because she didn't, she was an independent contractor. Well, she had her own private practice. But one of the other things I think that stood out for me is you say to yourself, like, how did these two women stay single their whole lives? 
they definitely dated. So sometimes you think about that and you go, oh, I wonder if they were just spinsters. No, they had relationships. It talks about it in the book. They had boyfriends. And I think the one moment, the aha moment, which is so insane to me, was when they were talking to their mom about their careers. And the mom who had a, a, a loving relationship, had a husband and a great life. And it said to them, like, if you want a career, you have to choose a career or a husband. And that mm-hmm. might be old fashioned for now. And I, I don't necessarily think it's the same today because we've come out really far. But mm. for a mother to, to offer that is so selfless because and open minded. Mm. I mean, it, it would just I couldn't believe that she said that when I read that I was like, what? It was great. And yeah. that that impacted them. It really That's did. Right. It did. And it's crazy because during that time, it was encouraged for women to get married. This is like we're, we're talking early 1900s to mid 1900s, where especially in the 50s with the commercial, with the good housekeeping and the, mm-hmm. the beautiful wife with the beautiful kitchen and <laughs> and where women talked about going to finishing school and their their whole plan was becoming a secretary until they got married. Right, right. And here their, their mom is who got married herself and was a, according to them, a wonderful homemaker and was very dedicated to her children, very dedicated to her husband. And she was also working at the school too, at one point for several years. And for her to tell her daughters that to me was revolutionary. It really was. And then for her daughters yeah. to say, well, I choose career. That also yeah. was revolutionary at that time, knowing that as beautiful, oh, Bestie was gorgeous. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. Five, seven, oh, long girls. hair. Oh my goodness. And for her to say, I had a whole bunch of suitors, but no, I, my career was first. I was dedicated to my career. That was, I mean, again, that boils down to their, how their parents raised them with so much confidence and self and just self-assuredness. They were, they, they had a plan for their life. It didn't include a man. And yeah, they didn't have children, obviously. But Mm -hmm. what was interesting, and I think that because they had such a large family and they were super close, I feel like they almost got to experience it through being an aunt and uncle. Like, I mean, two aunts, like they had and these nieces and nephews. Like, it's not like they didn't see them. They were like, I think Bessie said that. I think Bessie said, I spent a whole bunch of years raising other people's children. They might as well have been my own. I don't want to raise any, I don't want to raise any more. Yeah. 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 Being the two of the three oldest out of 10 and being the girls, they Mm -hmm. spent a lot lot of times raising their younger siblings as well. And I think that's why they weren't like feeling that. I feel like if they were two women on an island, they might've really had much more of a hunkering for a husband and also Mm -hmm. children, but they, they had brothers. They, they were very close with their dad and they had their careers and, and their relationship was to one another. Yeah. I think their relationship with each other was so, so strong. That to me, I think it satisfied that intimacy that a a man and wife have, like that non-sexual intimacy that I I do believe carries a marriage. Mm -hmm. I think they had each other. They had, they told each other their secrets. They were there. They always had someone that they would be able to rely on no matter what. So I think we're we're touching on two of the themes that I think we agreed that the book has. One is their out-of-the-box approach to everything that they, the, how they viewed the world and how they lived their lives. And then that, that they found soulmates in each other, mm-hmm. right? As you're discussing, they had that relationship, that very intimate, unconditional love for each other. And that wasn't missing. They didn't, they didn't yearn to find that in a husband because they had such a close friendship as sisters. So that's, 
Yeah, I think that's something that really struck me as part of the story is that you can you can get that level of closeness and support and love outside of a traditional romantic relationship. And for some people, I know I have a friend who she has that relationship or had it with her mother before she passed. It was, they were best friends. And to this day, she calls her mother her soulmate. And Aww. so to read about it in this book, I think was, was pretty cool. And then their approach to their health, they didn't, they, so you had a doctor who didn't like going to the doctors yeah. and <laughs> didn't, didn't use medicine. They lived over a hundred, exactly. Um, Bessie was 104 and Sadie was 109. I mean, do who even knows someone right now that's over a hundred years? And old? that was back in the nineties. So, I mean, come yeah. on, that's 30 years ago. And they did mm-hmm. that. Without Not. the technology and right. all the things that we have available to us today, they were first of, as it relates to their career. and they lived through a time period that was very challenging for women, let alone women of color, anyone of color, the Jim Crow, through those Jim Crow laws and segregation. And being one of 10, when you have a lot of children, typically someone's going to go astray or someone's going to be left behind or there's so many, right? Or overlooked or this or that. And one of 10, and they they were able to help sustain their family. I mean, they were thriving till pretty much the very end. I believe, I can't remember. I think it was Bessie like, or Sadie. She was like going to go up on and clean the windows on a ladder. And I think yeah. she was like, I think she was like a hundred and a hundred and three when she was like, fine, I'll hire someone. And I'm like, Oh wow. Like mm-hmm. they, they really live. Ladder. Like what? Yeah. yeah. They had, yeah. They wrote this book in their hundreds and they had opinions. I remember Bessie was like, I should have been president. I could have been a good president. Yes. And, and what was interesting <laughs> is she did have wrong predictions though. I think she would be surprised. She said there would never be a black president and there would never, ever, ever be a woman president. Well, she was yeah. right about the woman so far. But she was wrong about the former. And I think that's pretty interesting where their perspectives were. But they so when you read this book, you have to understand when you start reading it, these are people that are absolutely up with what's going on. They have all their marbles, they're physically active till the pretty much the very end. And uh, it, it was just so interesting because the perspective was fresh. It was in reflective of a sound body and mind human that just happens to be 100. I loved that's it. That's right. A hundred, writing a book at over a hundred. Like what the heck? Which is exactly out of the box. How a ladder. Dude, out of the box for a sure. Ladder. Yeah. What the heck? I love it so much. I, I, oh man. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. So it's such a refreshing story. Okay. Yeah. So this, let's, let's go to our last part of the show where we talk about what happens next. So obviously this is a nonfiction and we have accounts of what's happened since their passing. But let's, so let's do it a little differently. Let's change a circumstance for them and play around with that idea. So I'll let you guys jump in. What, what, what do you want to talk about? If something went differently for them, how would that have, how would that have looked? I, I think I honestly, after reading the book, I don't see either one of them being married. But if they did, I do, I do believe that they would have been able to navigate their careers as well as being parents. I think they, I think that they still would have been close, possibly not as close later on during their, during their married life, but based on how they were with their sister and how close they were with their sister, they helped raise their nephew until they were, until he was 10. 
So, I mean, I'd like to assume that they had, that they would have had quieter lives. I don't think that Bessie would have been able to be uh, in the dentist, be a dentist for as long as she was. I think it was like 27 years. So I think Mm -hmm. she might've retired a lot, lot sooner. Maybe she would have traveled a little bit more if her husband was around with a little bit more money. Who knows if they would have moved up to Mount Vernon? Possibly mm-hmm. there. I don't know if they would have done that. I think they only did that because their brother asked them to, and they were just two sisters living mm-hmm. in the in that two uh, room cottage. I mean, I could be. I mean, to be honest, I don't think their life would have changed too much. I just think that because as as strong as they were, you know what I mean, and as persistent as they were to achieve what they wanted to achieve, I think it would have only slowed them down a little bit. And I think once they achieved it, I don't think they would have lasted as long as they were in their professions. That I honestly think that that would have been about it. And I, and I also believe that they still would have outlasted everybody. <laughs> I still think that as well. Maybe not lived as long because Bessie did say that the, the reason why they lived so long was because they didn't have husbands to worry them to death. So And Bessie also <laughs> said Sadie forced her to be healthy. So <laughs> that's it. <laughs> oh, I love that. Uh, I like to look at... so. That's an interesting point. If they got married, what would have changed? And I want to, I, I, um, so I, I love philosophy. So I'm thinking, would they have lived over a hundred? I mean, 104 and 109 in the nineties, living through from the late 1800s to the late 1990s. Would they lived over a hundred years? I think part of, and I, as you touched on, Bessie said she lived for Sadie. And knowing Sadie didn't have anyone else. Yes, they had their nieces and nephews and their other siblings, and they actually outlived all of their siblings. But that will to live, I think, helped carry them on. No one was willing to let go (laughs) because they were there for each other. And was that part of the reason why? I mean, let's think about this. They were active. They had their full mental capacity to be able to tell an oral story of 100 years an oral story. They were climbing ladders, clipping branches <laughs> off their trees, fixing light bulbs. They were shopping for themselves, cooking for themselves. They didn't have a telephone. Nope. Okay. They took supplements. They did yoga. I mean, oh yeah. Yoga. These women, it was a, their lifestyle, again, very untraditional for that time period. But was it due to the fact that they had each other? Their parents passed, their siblings passed, their friends passed, like all these people are passing around them. And because they had such a tight bond for so many years, it wasn't interrupted at age 25 when they got married or age 35 when they got married or started having children and had to devote some of that energy and time to those children. They devoted all of that to themselves, to each other. So I'd like to kind of ponder how would their lives have differed? I believe they still would have had a strong bond and relationship because they were put any obstacle in front of me, I'm going to conquer it. And if the obstacle is time, I'm going to find a way to spend more time with my sister. But coming home to responsibilities as a mother or wife versus coming home to responsibility of a sister, that time, how would that have affected their longevity, their life, their, their will to live? And I don't know. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I, I think that they still would have lived for each other and neither would have wanted to be alone without their sister. And I do believe just like twins, they get married, they have families and they're still very, very close. I believe they still would have maintained that bond. But I am curious how much of that sisterhood, that unconditional love 
how they complemented each other and pushed each other to be better helped also add to their their healthy long lives. Yeah, I think it just depends on when they got married. If they really had gotten married really young, fell in love and got married really young, I think that the trajectory would have been a lot more dramatic. If they were older, like I was it Bessie that had that boyfriend and she was considering marrying, she had already had her career and Bessie and Sadie's relationship was so solidified. I think that Barbara's right. They would probably had a very similar lifestyle. So I think when they got married would have been a big issue. And one of, we we keep saying if they both got married, but one could have gotten married and one wouldn't have gotten married. And I think Mm, that dynamic also would have changed into Mm. the extent, there a possibility. So my father was raised by twins, identical twins. And his father, Mm. his father passed away when he was nine. And the identicals were like identicals in that stereotypical close. The younger identical actually outlived the older by like 40 years, but they were super close and one never married. Mm. One had a few boyfriends. And so it could have been that one of them didn't marry. They lived together their whole lives anyways. And it was like, they both were like moms to the other person's children. And then they could have had another unique situation. I think they would have found a way to stay unique and out of the box, even if they got married. But yeah, it's interesting to wonder. I feel less worried about our conclusions because they both had boyfriends. If they had no boyfriends ever and no relationships, I would be concerned. I'd be like, well, then how did they decide not to get married? They never gave themselves the opportunity to love and to have these emotions. But I I really respect that they did have them and and still chose their their decision to stay single, which is, it's crazy. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of my thoughts on that. Mm. Yeah, no, those are all really interesting dynamics to think about, very much so. And just the thought of, again, how different they were, the feisty Bessie, Mm -hmm. (laughs) outspoken. She did not like bullies, but didn't Mm -hmm. allow herself to be bullied. And then Sadie, which was more quiet and used, I would say, more strategy and wit Mm -hmm. over over her voice and, and outward emotions. And just how much they balanced each other. And I think that also added to the longevity of their friendship because you could be sisters or brothers and not be friends or best friends. True. And I believe in the book, it mentions that they became one. I mean, so Mm -hmm. how many siblings could say, or even spouses can say, we were so close, we became one. Yeah, that's true. And they moved as a single unit. So that just just dissecting the book from that standpoint and using it again as a guide, it may just be a personal guide. It could be a guide to how to raise a family, how to raise kids, or how to get what you want out of life, how to fulfill your dreams, how to deal with obstacles, how to have a stronger sisterhood or brotherhood, or but how do you become one? (laughs) You know, like just with your whoever it is, their spouse. Yet, yeah, how to become one, but stay yourself and unique. But stay yourself, yeah. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah. It definitely, yeah. yeah, it definitely was. I mean, wow, it's just, there's like, again, we we talked upon so many different things that we learned from. I, one of the things that I actually, I have to say this before, we, two things affected me. One was she talked about her mother's hair <laughs> and how she would do her mother's hair at the end. And it reminded mm-hmm. me of a story about how my mother told me that my grandmother had hair that was long, that was very, very long down to her waist. And as she mm. got older, she couldn't do her hair. So my mother and her sister would part her hair and they would take, 
because their hair was her hair was so long, they would take one of the parts and wrap it around the edge of the chair. Wow. <laughs> and they would braid one side and then they would take it out and just do the other side. And she wow. said that that was their routine for a very long time. The sisters, uh, my mother and her older sister, would they just loved even up until even through adulthood playing in their mother's hair. So wow. I, I thought that was um, I thought that was just it a was such story. love, incredible yeah. love throughout the book. Really yeah. resonated the love they had for each other. I love that so much. Definitely. And then I t- thought I'm a twin. I don't think I've brought that up before in the podcast. Aww. And my sister and I were we. My mother uh, decided to separate us throughout elementary school, and then high school. We were like, we can't do this. So we got together the first two years of high school, and everybody. No one knew that we were sisters. They actually thought we were lesbians because we were always together and we looked nothing alike. <laughs> and then when they figured out that we were twins, all of a sudden they couldn't tell us apart, which I thought was very funny. So they would call us Barbara, Linda, Linda, Barbara. Wow. But when when she ended up leaving, she ended up going to another, she went back to her old school, her old private school in 11th grade. I found myself a little lost because I, I was with her so much. Mm. And I realized that throughout the years, we would try to replace each other when we weren't, mm. when, when the other wasn't around. Mm, and wow. it didn't, it, it wasn't until adulthood when we had, I think it was our second, our second, we both had our, my daughter was born three weeks after her son. Mm. And, mm-hmm. um, and then our first were born like two, like almost two months to the day apart. It was a whole thing. Uh, my sister's like, whatever water you're drinking, I'm not drinking anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we Lord. realized that we, have such a strong bond that even though we do have other friends, very close friends, even best friends, actually we have a mutual best friend that has been our best friend oh my since gosh. we were 13 years old. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she is our best friend. Her name is Lisa. Hi, Lisa. We just realized that we, our bond is too strong. Wow. We're always going to, we were together in That's the womb. So we we're neat. always going to be really together. Yeah. Really so when I read about the sisters, it made me realize, even though with my sister, we have our ups and downs, uh, with, uh, as do most uh, families, we do have a very, very strong bond where it's like, mm-hmm. we always feel like it's us against the world. And we are both married. And we also both promised each other that when we are old and gray, we are going to try to find a way to live on the same land <laughs> so that we're always together. We could just walk across the yard uh, to each I other's kitchen. It. I love it. I love it. That's so cute. My daughters always say they want to have a triple house. I'm in the middle and each one of them are on the sides. And then anytime, by the way, just side note, they're metaphobic, which means they're deathly afraid of throw up. So they said, anytime their children throw up, they're just going to ring a bell and I'm going to come running. (laughs) But their dream is for us to all be on one piece of land too, which is kind of such a sweet thought that they would want that. Yeah. Yeah. Now that is special. Our kids talk about that too. And uh, so no, you know you succeeded if they feel that way. You've really succeeded at the end of the day. Yeah. That is something special. Well, ladies, it's about that time. We, the first to wrap it up. So this was a lot of fun. There was a lot, a lot to this story. And thanks again, Toby, for recommending it. It was great. And I hope our listeners got as much out of it as we did. And what we're going to start doing, guys, we're going to start incorporating our listeners' questions into the show. So for our next episode, we're going to read some of your questions off and answer those. So again, get those books. We have Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman, and we have The Celestine Prophecy following that by James Redfield. So get the books, get ready to read and follow along with our upcoming episodes. 
If you have any questions or comments, definitely check us out at Pink Kangaroo. And that's a U at the end on Instagram. DM us. We want to hear from you. And any ideas, any books that you want us to read and bring into the book club, we'd love to hear from you about that as well. So again, we hope you got as much out of this as we have. And for those of you that did not read the book, please go and get it. It's amazing. There's also a movie that you can watch and there's a play as well. And they're all incredible. So definitely check out Having Our Say, The Delaney Sisters, First 100 Years. I'm so grateful that's a part of my library of a million books now. (laughs) And grateful to be sharing this story with two amazing women, Toby and Barbara. Thanks again, ladies. Any last words, anything you want to share? Be safe, be well. And have a wonderful, wonderful day. You hear that, guys? All right. Until next time, signing off from Tuesday's Book Club. Bye. Bye.